0: to give us some time to transition into the main service so this class again uh, is living as a church adult sunday school living as a church this is class two Uh, church membership is going to be the focus this morning so unity through depth of commitment class two church membership unity through depth of commitment let me pray and we can get started here let's pray Heavenly Father, we are just so thankful that we can gather together on this Lord's Day, Father. Uh, What a blessing uh, the Lord's Day is, where we can gather together even in this local church and worship you, our living triune God. Father, thank you even for this Sunday school hour where we can can seek to apply our minds and our hearts uh, to various topics, even this morning, Lord, church membership and uh, the visible unity within the, the body of Christ. Father, give us hearts and minds to think and feel. And Father, we want to be growing uh, even as a church that loves one another and is a display of your glory uh, to the watching world. So help us in this now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So I'm going to begin with a question, just like I did last Sunday. The question this morning is, how is the commitment we make to other people at church different from other commitments we make in life? So think about the various commitments that we all have in our lives. How is the commitment that we make in a local church to one another different? I'm just going to throw it out there, maybe one or two answers. Anyone want to feel free to shout out? I know I'm making you guys work right away. Yep. Yes. So, so a, commit, a commitment based on our unity in Christ. Yes, that's bang on. And that's, that's actually very much sort of what we're going to be diving deeper on this morning. So that's helpful. Thank you um so there's something more to it then right there's something more to our commitment because of our unity in christ and we're really going to be exploring that reality this morning so last week we began with considering the glory of the church so our church any local church including our church here is made up of of a group of people that are limited in knowledge limited in love limited in patience So we have limitations. We also, there's very different things about us. We have different personalities, different hopes, different backgrounds, different ways of communicating, different priorities, different demographics, even different ethnicities. So, and the world sees this, right? And it it should sort of be a recipe for disaster, if you think about it given all the different backgrounds and everything else, right? But because of the power of the gospel, the local church becomes a corporate proclamation of God's glory, even to the watching world. So how does that happen? Well, it happens as we love each other with a commitment that is evidently supernatural. So again, the the tagline of of, uh, today's, Class is unity through depth of commitment. So I'm going to be using that word commitment quite a bit this morning. So what does this commitment look like then? What does this supernatural commitment look like? Well, we're going to answer that over the next two weeks. This morning we're going to be looking at depth of commitment. Next week we're going to be looking at breadth of commitments. All right. So this morning we're going to consider the focus on depth of commitments, depth of commitments. So, and, and just a note up front, just to be honest, I mean, you can see class two uh, membership. I'm not sure, are there handouts for this class yet? Anyone have handouts? I think Jared might be in the process of getting those going. Um, so maybe expect to, to get some handouts here in the next few minutes. Um, But to boil it all down, this really is, again, it's a a class about church membership. Now, you might be thinking, many of you here are already church members, and you, you might be thinking, I'm already sold on church membership. You've convinced me, I'm a church member, I'm a gospel partner. That's the lingo that we like to use here. Why do we need to talk about this? But this class is actually very helpful for going into depth about what meaningful church membership looks like. And I just say, if you're not a church member here... I would just really want to ask you why not, why not? And, and just really warmly invite you to consider that and even join the class next door here in the Luther Hall that Pastor Clint is teaching. Okay. So my hope then is that by unfolding what church membership is and how it's different from other commitments, we'll be reminded of the uniqueness. There's a a sweet uniqueness about commitment in the context of the local church. It's a deep commitment we have to each other. And so I trust that we're gonna be helped by this, even as church members, if you're a church member here. So the lingo we're gonna be using this morning, I'm gonna be using this morning, is drawing a contrast between what I'm calling a comfort-based commitment, and a calling-based commitment. What's the difference between a comfort-based commitment and a calling-based commitment? So first of all, comfort-based commitment. So commitment is something that our world understands. We all have commitments. Uh, For example, Flames fans are committed to the Flames, in theory. Oilers fans are more committed to the Oilers, I would just say. (laughs) <laughs> it's true. People are committed to their jobs, to their favorite uh, vacation destinations, even to their countries, right? So you can get, a, you can get an, a, an idea of what people are committed to by sp- simply speaking with them, right? Um, you see people's loyalties. And people are committed to churches. But why exactly are people committed to churches? There's a difference Uh, even in that uh, regard, concerning that topic. So I would say, I would suggest that that very common in our day uh, is a commitment to the local church that is based on comfort. That's where I'm using this this comfort-based commitment lingo. So let's just, let me illustrate for a moment. Um, So let's say that you how is it that a person gets committed to Apple products, Apple products, Apple computers, and so on? Well, you might be, at first, you might just be using a PC, right, in your life and so on, and then, and then for whatever reason, you end up borrowing a Mac from a friend to email somebody. Maybe you don't have your computer with you. And initially, you really like the feel of that Mac, right? Right? So that's sort of the door cracking open a little bit, as it were. So you're not a committed Mac user at this point, but you're intrigued. And then eventually your old PC dies, and you you go computer shopping. You You decide to buy the Mac, even though it's a little bit more expensive, right? And as you get into it, you're surprised by how, you know, how good it feels, how intuitive it seems to be. Um... And so, you know, slowly you're starting to become more committed to being a Mac user. Now, let me just say, personally, I'm not a Mac user. I'm not actually really a computer guy, but this is the illustration that's being used here. Um, and I think it's helpful. So, eventually, let's say your grandma buys you, um, your grandma buys you the, what is it now? Is it, is it the iPad? Is that a Mac? People are laughing at me. Okay. Your grandma gives you an iPad. And now, the devices are synced together. See, this is a problem with using illustrations where you're not really a computer guy when the illustration doesn't fit your personality. Anyways, you see what I'm saying, right? Eventually, you're sold on Apple products. Before you know it, you're going to Mac conventions your children you know you're giving them mac Mac, apple gear to wear and stuff and you've got you've become a hardcore mac user and there actually is such a thing isn't there i know dj where's dj he's he's a pc guy but only pc uh so he's committed the other way then but how did that happen well you could see how it's sort of a slow incremental uh uh process right of becoming more and more committed to something and that's sort of what what I'm trying to get at when I speak of comfort-based commitments. Comfort-based commitments and this is for, for a lot of Christians this is what the church looks like in regards to commitments. So a church can begin by emphasizing that they have no expectations and they advertise their church as a great place to maybe prosper morally to maybe be a good influence on your kids, to find community. It can sort of be a safe place, a comfortable place, a place where maybe you're catered to. So you join a small group, you meet a few people who you like that are like you, and then somewhere along the lines, you decide to become a church member. So is this, what is, is this all, involve, all that is involved when we consider the topic of church membership? So you can see, and, and the process that I described, I mean, oftentimes, you know, maybe it'll take a few years based on how comfortable you feel, but you're slowly, you're sort of slowly eased into, you know, committing yourself to a local church. That's comfort-based commitment, Not much is really required of you at that point. It's more consumer-driven. It's sort of like consumer products, right? You know, the better the advertising, the more good they make you feel, you know, the the better the sales pitch. This is why you need this, right? It's comfort-based commitment. So, So in both examples then, the Apple example, which I botched, or the church example, this commitment, is a, it's, it's, it happens over a process. So over the time, you see the church community as meeting your needs and sort of your comfort levels. You feel more and more comfortable there. The problem with this, though, is, of course, the relationships are often very shallow. The relationships are often very shallow, There's not much sacrifice involved and the commitment is very shallow. So what happens then is the church is trying to smooth out the path for prospective members, right? And highlight the benefits of getting more involved. It's a consumer-based attractional model. This is why you ought to be part of this church, right? This is how it's going to meet your felt needs and so on. Um, so again, that's, that's a little bit of a picture of a comfort-based, or, or sorry, a, a commitment-based approach, a, comf- a comfort-based approach to commitment, rather. What happens, too, just to sort of finish this, this uh, portion, is that the Christian witness can actually end up being very thin as well. So the relationships in the church can be very thin, And then the Christian witness to the outside world can be very thin and shallow. So that's comfort-based commitment. So how does that compare then to calling-based commitment? Calling-based commitment, what does that mean? Well, not to vilify comfort-based commitment in general. I I mean, I would say even, you know, if you're self-employed here, if you're a, a loyal employee you do have to give the sales pitch, right, for why your product or your company ought to be, you know, why, why customers ought to be using it. So of course there's a place, there's a time and a place for comfort-based commitment. I used to be a plumbing contractor and I, I want to try to, I mean, I was never much of a salesman, but I still want to try to do a good job for my clients so that they want to hire me again, right? So comfort-based commitment is all bad but that that is not uh, what the church, that that, that ought not to be sort of the strategy for the local church. So how is a calling-based commitment um, distinguished then from a comfort-based commitment? Well, there's a few distinctions we're gonna look at here. First of all, love for fellow believers. Love for fellow believers. So the New Testament describes all Christians as deeply committed to their local church in ways that are meaningful, sometimes painful, deliberate, and sacrificial. So let's consider the words of 1 John, for example. 1 John 4, 19 and 20. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So for John, love between believers then is a sign of saving faith because of the love with which we have been loved by God first. So contrast that with comfort-based commitment and you see that the Bible calls us to love others, right? And comfort demands that we love ourselves and we prioritize our own preferences, by way of contrast. So that's the first uh, distinctive of calling-based commitment. Second, motivation. So here's an interesting diagnostic question then to ask yourself. Why do you come and keep coming to this church? Why why are you sitting here in this pew right now? Why, Why do you sacrifice so much of your weekend to come be in this building, Comfort-based commitment might point to social, personal, and professional reasons. Calling-based commitment has obedience to God and delight in his church as one of its primary motivators. So in other words, the motive of our community should say something about our faith in Christ. And this is the point that was pointed out there at the start of the class. Our commitment to each other should look different... From the world, our interactions should look more like Christ and less like our coworkers, friends, and neighbors. I was just chatting with my brother DJ before the Sunday school class here, and he was just expressing how challenging it can be uh, on business trips to be traveling around and only interacting with non-believers, right? So the fellowship here, the community here, should look different than it does with unbelievers. So that's the second distinctive, motivation. Third distinctive, relationship. So a classic strategy for many churches over the past three or four decades has been to get them in by any means necessary approach. right? So this is what we call the seeker-sensitive model. The seeker-sensitive model. Maybe good intentions there, right? We want, you know, we want lots of people coming in the doors to learn about Christ. But the issue there, again, is that with very little commitment, there are very few deep relationships. So it's a very shallow culture of community. And there's very little even focus of discipleship. Even just, you know, consider um, things like one-to-one discipleship and so on. So everything is sort of kept at a surface level because it's more comfortable that way, of course, right? When we start to really get to know one another, it can actually be painful and challenging, right? It's just sort of easier just to sort of stay back, right? So strangely enough, then, it is with the formality of membership, then, that deep relationships are formed, so again, not to say that real relationships can't happen e- even in the Christian community outside of church membership. But practically, with each new member voted into our membership or in, you guys know the lingo we use here is gospel partnership, right? From the book of Philippians. Gospel partnership, the koinonia fellowship, right? Um with each new member coming in, it's clear, it becomes clear there's boundaries for who we are called to love. There's these defining markers. It's clear uh, to whom we are accountable, right? It becomes more clear uh, with whom we are to initiate relationships, and with whom there's to be a sacrifice, and a committed, deep love for one another. And, th- and this happens when formal membership takes place it, it even becomes publicly visible, then, right? So, now another, a, a, another aspect to consider here, then, when we're considering church membership, is it requires commitment up front. It requires commitment up front. And this can be one of the sort of unnerving, uncomfortable things about this all, right? because of course we live in a society, we live in a culture, and I would say it's natural uh, to us as fallen human beings to commit later, right? To commit later, not to commit up front. Um, so this idea of calling-based commitment then is a commitment to each other simply because it's part of being called into God's family, and that's where that word calling is coming from. We're committed to other believers uh, through, in the context of the local church, and that passage from 1 John that I just referenced says that every person loved by God, saved by God, in turn loves other Christians, So that means we need to stop viewing church commitment as a process and start viewing it as an event, even like considering your conversion, right? You've been called out of darkness into light, right? You've been called out of of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Um... So what this means then is even as we are saved, right, if you're a Christian here, you've been called to be a disciple. What, what I'm arguing is that you've also been called to commit yourself to a local church. It's calling-based. It's calling-based, and there's a significant level of commitment that comes up front rather than sort of even over process or gradually So in that sense, then, you'll find uh, plenty of comfort-based commitment in calling-based commitment churches. This is sort of what we naturally gravitate towards. Um, And again, in some ways, there's nothing wrong with comfort-based commitment on some levels. The problem comes when it becomes our main approach to life in the church. If we expect to ease our way into church, And see calling-based commitment kicking over time again we're going to have this sort of this consumerist relationship light approach to what church looks like and and again it's 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 not that different from any type of commitment that you see out in the world is it right Uh, instead we should recognize that god has called us to commit in deep and meaningful ways to a local church, even as he has called us to salvation. So if that's our attitude toward church, we'll find a community that is honest about what it means to be a Christian, and what happens then is this this dynamic ends up being a rich catalyst for fellowship, for deep, meaningful relationships, and even for a witness to the watching world. It's utterly unique. You, You don't find this type of commitment anywhere else in the world. Okay so that's that's sort of the, the distinction between comfort based commitments and calling based commitment. I'm going to move on to the next point. Now can I just ask are the, are the handouts out there? Handouts okay so you guys are tracking. So this is point four I believe. Commitment that is significant. Commitment that is significant. So what are some basic components then of this commitment? This this calling-based commitment? We can see, first of all, commitment that is sacrificial. So Romans 12, 13 to 16 tells us to contribute to the needs of the saints and to seek to show hospitality, to rejoice with those who rejoice, to weep with those who weep, to live in harmony with one another. So, So... if my wife is unable to get pregnant, I should rejoice when my fellow church member gets pregnant. Right? I know you guys are thinking, well, you guys don't have that problem by God's grace. But, but you see what I'm saying, right? There's the temptation to when you're not able to enjoy something and, and, and a fellow brother or sister is able to enjoy that, the temptation can actually be towards jealousy or envy rather than love. So if I just got a new job, and my brother just lost his job, there could be a place there to be, to be perhaps weeping with him, or, or to be able to, to you know, sit down and care for him, and pray for him. You see the point. So I should give my money, my time, and my home to care for others in the church simply because they are God's people. So loving in this way then, this is the beautiful thing. This isn't for an elite group of Christians. It's for everybody. If you've been called to Christ, this is what you've been called to. You've been called to commit to one another. It, this is what it means to be a Christian. So that's that's the first one, commitment as sacrificial. Second, commitment to gather together. So Hebrews 10:25 tells us that we are not to neglect meeting together as as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So to be a Christian is to join with other Christians on a regular basis, and again, in a local church, right? I gave that example last week of, you know, the guy who claims to be a Christian, but he's not, oh yeah, no, church isn't for me, right? Right? Been there, done that, maybe, maybe you know I've been burnt. I get together with my old hockey buddies, and we look at the Bible every once in a while. That's my church. Well no, it's not. Part of uh, a biblical commitment is committing to gather together in a local church. Uh, point three: commitment to encourage one another. So Hebrews 10:24 right before that verse i just uh, shared it says consider how to stir one another up to love and good works and of course that 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 is necessary right that sort of precedes or 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 it it's, it requires gathering together right we can't be building up one another in love if we're not coming to church So so one of the things we see then as we gather together um, is that encouragement is the antidote to unbelief. Just consider that. Encouragement is the antidote to unbelief. You've been struggling with unbelief lately, perhaps. Well, I, I would just encourage you, you need to press into the church. You need to press into the church. It's like Pastor Clint has reminded us before Many a Sunday morning, it's an encouragement for him as he gets into the pulpit just to see other believers gather here on the Lord's Day and be reminded that he's not crazy, right? And this is the reminder that we all get as we're coming together. We're we're building one another up into spiritual health and and helping each other in the fight of faith as we gather together and as we encourage one another. So the two very much go hand in hand. Uh, point four, and I, I would suggest that in our day, sadly, this would be a, a point that, that is a little bit more controversial, or, or just not so much practiced or recognized in the church. And that is a commitment to guard one another. A commitment to guard one another. So Matthew 18 very clearly lays out this paradigm for, for confronting one another, when there is grievous sin, when a brother sins against you. So if a brother sins against me, I'm to talk to him about it, right? If he doesn't repent, I'm to take another brother and confront him about that. If he still doesn't repent, it's to be told to the church, right? So, so, so what happens then at that point is the whole membership of the church is activated, to, to to seek to reach out to this person to call them to repentance. If that doesn't happen, as as you know, we have experienced in this church, sadly that person needs to be put out of the fellowship. That's where we the, the term excommunication. So Jesus says if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him to be to you as a gentile or a tax collector. So in other words, again, put out of the church. So just consider this. This is one of the things that's going on in these uh, church discipline passages. The final barrier to self-deception in this world is the local church. So no one else can tell me so powerfully that the faith I profess with my mouth is contradicted by my life. So what's happening then when a person is living in in deep unrepentant sin and they're not repentant, they're they're not... um, they're, they're not repenting when they're confronted. They're being put out. What we're saying as a, as a local body, as a collective body of believers here, is we cannot in good conscience say that you are a believer. You could be, right? But based on your life, based on your actions, we cannot in good confidence even say to the world, if the world is watching, oh, but I thought that person is a believer. Well, no, actually we can't say that with confidence. That's what's going on there. So brothers and sisters then, God has called us to do these things. To love other Christians sacrificially, to gather with them regularly, to encourage them toward faith, and to guard them from sin and self-deception. So making these commitments isn't something we leave to just mature Christians. This is, this is what every believer is called to. So, so that's what depth of commitment looks like. But there's another point that we need to address here, and it's very important, because some, some of you folks might still be wondering, okay, well, why, why is formal church membership still necessary then? It, okay, I, I understand depth of commitment, right, as opposed to just sort of shallow commitment, consumer-based uh, uh, church that's, that is very common in our day. Depth of commitment is, is good, perhaps. I can see that. Why, why does church membership need to be formal? Well, there's a couple of points here that are really important to consider. Uh, 1 Corinthians 5. The Apostle Paul. So this is an interesting passage. I mean, as Christians in our day, right, with the, with the um, destructive trajectory that our society is on, We can very much lament what's going on outside of the church. But the Apostle Paul actually tells us in 1 Corinthians, For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. So notice then, there's a line separating those who are inside and outside the church on one side of that line is those who call themselves believers and submit that profession to the judgment of the church that's one of the things you're doing when you're entering into church membership right and that's even part of the part of the process of being put forward to the church right there's a process where the pastors are reaching out to the whole congregation the whole congregation is being activated do you think this person is a believer that's what's happening there you're submitting yourself and your Christian profession to the judgment of the church. And again, I mean that might just sound very strong and you know wrong to our modern sensibilities. It's right there in 1 Corinthians 5. We're to judge those inside the church. And judging to the best of our ability whether that person is a believer or not is part of that judgment. So that's 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 one very strong argument for, for formal church membership. Another one is this. Speaking about church leaders. So Christians are called to submit, we're called to submit to our leaders, Hebrews thirteen seventeen, Because someday, pastors will give an account to God for the souls of the people in their care. Now question, how do I know as a pastor who, who I will be accountable to God for? So for example, I mean, you guys know I come from Edmonton. I talk about the Oilers probably too much. Um, I've got Christian brothers and sisters and family up in Edmonton. Am I accountable to the Lord for them, for their shepherding care? If, if a brother, or sister, a Christian brother or sister up in Edmonton is straying from the faith, am I, I going to have to give an account to the Lord for their soul? Well, as a Christian, I want to reach out to them in love and seek to call them to account, seek them to get back on the narrow path. But ultimately, because they're not part of this flock, I don't. I'm not. They're not accountable in that sense. They're not under my pastoral care in that sense. So you can see then again, there needs to be defining features about who is in the flock and who is out, even for the sake of the church leadership. So it's clear then that I mean, it's it's if it's not explicit. It's, it's very strongly implicit in the New Testament that th- that formal church membership is a necessary thing. So here's something, something else to consider. I'm gonna, I'm gonna share a quote uh, from Pastor Tim Keller uh, from his book, The Meaning of Marriage. So this is one of the points to consider, and I've, I've altered this, if you're looking at your handout, I've altered this slightly, and I've condensed it a little bit, but this is the point that I'm making here. Formal commitment makes informal commitments visible. So there's an analogy here that uh, Pastor Keller uh, shares, which is helpful. He's speaking of marriage, but this, this very much applies uh, to church membership in many ways. He says, quote, When the Bible speaks of love, it measures it primarily not by how much you want to receive, but by how much you are willing to give of yourself to someone. How much you're willing to lose for the sake of this person? How much of your freedom are you willing to forsake? How much of your precious time, emotion, and resources are you willing to invest for this person? And for that, the marriage vow is not just helpful, but is even a test. In so many cases, when one person says to another, I love you, but let's not ruin this by getting married, that person really means I don't love you enough to close off all my options. I don't love you enough to give myself to you that thoroughly. To say I don't need a piece of paper to love you is basically to say my love for you has not reached the marriage level, end quote. Okay. So obviously there's ways, you know, it's it's not a bulletproof parallel between marriage and church membership, to be clear, right? There's continuities and discontinuities. But there are also, there's key similarities. If someone says that they intend to fulfill all the Bible's one another commands, right, of which there are many in the New Testament, in the context of their church, but they refuse to formally commit to doing so through membership, what kind of commitment do they actually intend to make? So to use Keller's language, their love for their church has not reached the membership level as it were right it's just sort of like oh i'm just gonna stay back here a little bit i want to still keep my options open so cor- formal commitment clarifies who is actually making the decision to love their church as scripture describes and i would say even in in submitting to coming under godly church leadership in that formal way now i would just have to say off the back of that I mean, I think there is a caveat here. One of the things I mentioned last Sunday is even our Pado ba- baptist brothers and sisters in Christ. I mean, if you're here this morning and you're not a member because you hold to an infant-baptist position, I would just want to reiterate that, that we love you, we care for you, you are, you are part of the family um, in a sense. But at the same time, we're, gonna, we're still going to be wanting to try to convince you of the Credo Baptist or Believer's Baptist position and we would desire to see you come into membership. Just to be clear. All right, practical suggestions. Practical suggestions to sort of, what does this look like? Boots on the ground then. Well, first of all, of course, and this is, this maybe goes without saying, join a church. Join a church. Maybe you're here, you're you're a younger person, maybe you're a newer Christian, you're having conversations with friends, you're weighing out, you know, is local church really that important? Can I just sort of be a Lone Ranger Christian and choose my own fellowship? Maybe you're weighing out membership. This sort of seems weird. Uh, Maybe too intense. Well, in those conversations, it's helpful to come back to what it means to be a Christian again calling based commitments you've been called to be a Christian which means you've been called to love other brothers and sisters in Christ right so it's not just a general disposition of love right you're not jumping in the i know i had a, a buddy back in the day we were both staff at a bible camp and he said he was going to he was thinking about doing a road trip down the west coast all the way down to mexico to Uh, inspect the health of the local churches and try to encourage them. All sounds very amazing and super-duper spiritual. But he hadn't been vetted by any church. He he wasn't being sent out by any church. He just decided to go on his Lone Ranger mission, right? And he's going to go, it's like he thinks he's an apostle or something, right? He's going to go see how the churches are doing down in Mexico. And and there's no local church involvement at all. (laughs) Right? Right? Um, so love for one another then is not a general disposition of love but a specific commitment to love a specific group of Christians in the context of the local church so that's the first point join a church second invest in relationships invest in relationships it's those deep relationships where we're accountable to one another where we're calling each other out where we're confessing sin to one another right? That's where, the, where we're sharing our struggles, our cares, our burdens, where we're praying together. That's really when the relationships go deep. So let's just consider, you know, under this category, investing in relationships, let's just consider some very common categories of, of ways that church members can, can fall into sort of a, a somewhat unhealthy model. You got the casual member for example who intends regularly but doesn't do much beyond that so his best friends are outside of the church and maybe even not not believers that's the casual member you got the fortress member so the fortress member can look very strong on the outside right they're involved in in many ways um, volunteering in many ways but they never are actually seen to be in a place of need. There's actually never really a, an openness or a sharing of, of one's struggles with the fortress member because they need, they need to look like they have it all together. Again, that's, that can be very hard to penetrate. That's the fortress member. What about the static member? The static member can start out with good friendships in the church, but months and years and even decades can roll by and relationships never really grow or deepen. It can be a very easy thing to fall into. Uh, Last example, the consumer member, I've spoken about this a little bit earlier. It's clear that the consumer member is simply there maybe to have their felt needs met or they're part of the church because they, they, they feel like they're getting something that they need but there's not much giving involved with a consumer member so that's the second point invest in relationships with maybe some not so positive positive examples there as well a third point i'm having to wrap up here uh, commit to love the entire body and this is something that um, i'm going to touch on more next sunday when we look at breadth of commitment so it's a real danger in our age that is defined by, consumer, by the consumer and yet obsessed with community. Have you ever considered that? We live in an age that it is consumer driven and yet it's obsessed with community. And what happens, I mean, you see the cell phone commercials. It's all the young, beautiful people partying on the beach, right? And it's all good times, but actually they don't even really know each other, <laughs> right? There's no real depth of community there. Um, so we can find ourselves then, even in this church, if, if, if you're most comfortable sort of in a subculture of this church, right, based on your hobbies, your interests, your demographics, your ethnicities, whatever it might be, there's a danger there that you're actually not committing yourself to the entire body. So what this requires then is it it's, takes initiative to include in our friendships those who are different from us. And what we'll find is that instead of a church composed of subcultures and cliques, we'll have a church where a network of relationships overlaps and stretches to the entire church. So, of course, it needs to be said, you're not going to be best friends with everybody in this church, of course. That goes without saying. Uh, but, but what I am emphasizing is, as a, as a Christian, you ought to be reaching out to people that maybe make you uncomfortable, right? Right? It's not just your buddies who, you know, like as a tradesman. Am I just hanging out with, you know, different brothers in the church who are tradesmen? Or am I reaching out to other people who think differently than me? Come from different backgrounds, cultures, and so on. So that's part of calling-based community rather than comfort-based community. To conclude, if you look at how the New Testament describes the local church, this is one pillar then of church membership, depth of commitment. So our culture is telling us to commit only so long as we feel comfortable. Just consider this with a promiscuous, um, with a sexually promiscuous culture that we're living in. People want intimacy before commitment, right? People want intimacy before commitment. That's completely backwards. The Christian view is commitment and intimacy follows, right? And when you think even of our, our sexually promiscuous culture, desiring intimacy before commitment, what happens to the intimacy? Well, it's actually pretty, it's, it's like a vapor, right? There's, there's actually, you know, uh, two people might be coming together even physically, but there's, uh, there's no real intimacy there actually because there's not commitment. So it's the same thing, uh, in a sense, with the church. Um, so that's the first of two pillars then, depth of commitment. Uh, the second one we're going to look at next week is breadth of commitment. Uh, and I've gone a little bit too long again, so unfortunately we don't have time for questions. Again, feel free to come up and ask me, but I need to give time now for us to transition. Let me, let me uh, pray and we can close Heavenly Father, there, there is uh, much here to think about, perhaps uh, certain things that are challenging. Father, there's th- things in this lesson that make us uncomfortable even. Father, we are called to love those who are very different from us, who think differently from us, who have even different values uh, in many ways, perhaps even different politics. Whatever it might be, Father, I pray that you be growing a supernatural community in this church father even as we see it in many ways lord we see it in many ways in this church even right now but just pray that you would grow us in our depth of commitment for one another in our love for one another even as we have been loved by you and that that could even be a witness uh, to the watching world for the glory of your name for we pray these things in jesus name amen